Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 18 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the week of September 21st, uh, 2020. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications for ERS and our Executive Producer. How are you today, Kristen? Today is a good day, Brian. Thanks for asking. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it seems like fall setting in, a little cooler, brisk air is uh, coming out, so it's sure, been refreshing. Yeah. Well, I just want to remind our, our listeners that Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with residents, clients, families, and staff. So Kristen, you want to tell us about the, uh, our upcoming show? Sure, yeah. Today we've got Fran Turner. Fran is a resident at Marjorie P. Lee Retirement Community in Hyde Park, and we'll also check in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, who'll give us uh, all the details about what's happening um, around the ERS uh, communities, also just kind of what's been happening uh, overall for for nursing homes and retirement communities in relation to uh, COVID-19. Well, great. Just want to do another plug for our Together We Rise virtual gala. Uh, as the, the title suggests, we're, we're going online this year on Friday, October 9th. And we really would love everyone to join us for a special evening of a spe- uh, celebration and inspiration and some entertainment, all in uh, support of our Good Samaritan Mission Fund. Um, we've got a, a great uh, live program, and it's hosted by uh, Channel 5's very own Curtis Fuller. Uh, we want to do a special thank you for our sponsors, our presenting sponsors, the Model Group, Ridgestone Contractors and Builders, Ohio Capital Corporation, and U.S. Bank. Uh, for more information, uh, go to our website at episcopalretirement.com gala. So with that said, Kristen, do you want to introduce our first guest for the day? Absolutely, Brian. Here's Fran Turner. Uh, Fran is a resident of Marjorie P. Lee Retirement Community in Hyde Park, and uh, I had not previously met Fran, so it was uh, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast. Uh, I got to meet somebody new, and I think she had a lot of great thoughts for um, all of our listeners today. Let's meet Fran. Well, welcome now, Fran Turner a resident at Marjorie P. Lee Retirement Community in Hyde Park area of Cincinnati. Fran, welcome to our podcast today. Well, thank you for asking me. Yeah, you bet. I'm I'm glad to connect with you. Uh, As I I told you when we uh, first talked on the phone, um, I'm excited anytime I can can connect with residents from Marjorie P. Lee. Um, I was used to being able to be there whenever I wanted to and now of course so that is all put on hold so it's good to connect and to talk with you today and and see what's happening around the community how's your day been going today so far well so far so good knowing that i was going to had to do something at 10 30 made me move a little faster so uh i got a lot more done than i usually do i like those milestones in my day as well that's uh that's for sure that's how i like to operate too well, it's, it's good to hear things are up, up and moving there at Marjorie P. Lee today. And uh, uh, Fran, would you just share a little bit with our listeners, um, what are some of the things that you've been doing during the pandemic to, to stay active and engaged there at Marjorie P. Lee? 
Well, it took me a while to catch on that I had to do something <laughs> instead of sitting around and waiting for something to happen. Um, and once I sort of got that idea, then things began to open up for me. And I realized that uh, I needed to reach out to the outside world via Zoom or the telephone because I'm used to being active outside and I was missing that terribly. But Zoom and and uh, the telephone helps a lot. I, For instance, um, every morning I Zoom into a uh, retreat center that I used to go to. And uh, they have a, a, a morning retreat, which is a wonderful way to start the day. And it's with other people. So there's a contact with the outside world. I don't feel quite so, quite so isolated. And then there are a great many things that I can do around here uh, within Marjorie P. Lee. The swimming pool is open and the exercise room is open. And so five days a week, I sign up to go to one or the other um, and get the exercise that I need I sorely need, I'll put it that way, I have arthritis. And if I don't keep moving um, and exercising, I can get myself into real pain and want to sit around more and, you know, sort of a whirlpool that draws you down. That's been a wonderful thing. I have several meetings uh, via Zoom that I go to during the week, um, enough to keep me feeling that I'm doing something, although it's really kind of passive just to sit there and talk. Right. However, I've also uh, gotten involved in doing some political things, sending out postcards and letters of a nonpartisan thing, urging people to vote. Yeah. So I, I also feel as if I'm kind of keeping up with what's happening. Because what I've missed most of all is, is um, interaction with the outside world been a bit curtailed and then here there are a small group of us who meet in the courtyard for dinners keeping our distance but it's a nice group i rely on them a lot for real genuine social interaction which is hard to come by as it's hard to come by for everybody one of the things that i found very interesting is that Things that ordinarily I wouldn't have been interested in doing or talking about or being involved with, um, all of a sudden I found, well, not all of a sudden, but slowly but surely I've found as long as I keep moving and determinedly staying involved, well, the happier I am. Right, yeah. So after six months of this, I think I finally caught on to how to be quarantined. Um, <laughs> It sounds like you could kind of write a book, um, pretty, pretty textbook uh, uh, ways that you're dealing with things there and really all positive. You're, you've given yourself some grace to, to figure it out and, and you're taking the bright spots and, and making those work for you. It sounds like, uh, sounds like you could write the book. Well, three months ago, I uh, would have written a downer. Uh, so I think it, it it's a, you know, it's a new kind of life. Um, Definitely. And it's really up to us. I suddenly, you know, I was thinking of the, this podcast and 
I was trying to figure out, you know, what what is it that I'm doing and what's happening. And I was watching, I was watching the uh, tennis matches, the U.S. Open. Now the tennis hasn't been on for all summer long, and so it was just wonderful to see people playing tennis again. Mm-hmm. And they were playing tennis without any audience, and nobody was clapping, mm-hmm. or very few people. But there wasn't the um, support that tennis players get from the audience. Mm-hmm. And the the uh, announcers kept talking about that and how it was up to the people, out, up to the players themselves to generate their own um, support, mm-hmm. their own enthusiasm, their own, you know, come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's kind of like being here. Mm-hmm that we need to generate our own enthusiasm and interest because um, there's not much that's actually dropping in our laps. (laughs) Uh, The things that are dropping in our laps is the news of the outside world, and that's pretty frightening right now, I think. Dismal, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I found that I have to generate my interest in things that are going on. Mm-hmm. But without the things that are going on, of course, I'd be stuck with myself again. But there, there's a lot that can be done, I think. Point is to reach out. At least that's what I found for myself. Yeah. That's wonderful advice. I mean, you know, generating your own uh, enthusiasm for life is uh, not always something we've had to do, right? I mean, that's... Right, right, yeah. For quite a while, and uh, and things are different now, and... It's good to know we haven't lost that skill, I guess. Yeah, and I really appreciate that we're allowed to have outside visitors Mm -hmm. um, once a week for a very short period of time. But seeing my daughter keeps me going for for quite a while, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as does my involvement. I have three kids who live out in the West Coast, and of course I'm concerned about all the fires that are going on out there, um, because all of them are being affected by it, not the fires themselves, but the smoke. Right. Um, But I'm more, we get together more often. It's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have time for each other, I guess that's the point. And that's been a a blessing, really. So there's some good things that have come out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Although I would have chosen something else. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get that choice, did we? <laughs> just, no, we did. uh, I didn't get that one, no. This is where we are. And, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it reminds me of uh, sometimes of, I was a Girl Scout leader, and we would do some of that wayfinding where, we would start at a starting point where maybe nobody even really knew where are we and where are we going? You know, those were a lot of those questions. Yeah. Pandemic, we had to answer for ourselves. Where are we and where are we go- Where are we heading? So. Oh, that, that's a great, those are great things. Yeah. yeah. To learn that early. Mercy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like me, you'll be ready for when this is all uh, over and, and things go back to, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, is there anything that you're in particular uh, uh, hoping for, looking forward to? Well, the thing that came to mind when I read that question is, yes, having 
Sunday night dinners with my daughter and her family. Yes. Uh, just going over there. Very simple, nothing extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, that really is a major thing that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Of course, I like the idea of being able to go out in my car any time and do whatever I want mm-hmm. within within reason and probably with a mask on. But uh, being with them is 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 prime. And then after that, catching up with other people, too. I mean, just because I have gone to some doctor's appointments, I have been out. Uh, and it's just extraordinary to me that people are out there walking around and driving cars <laughs> and just, you know, kind of normal life. As I, as I drive to the office, doctor's office, I see these people. Mm-hmm moving around and I think, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be nice just to be free like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully one day that'll be um, accessible to all of us and not just the few. And uh, I hope so. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, it's been very uplifting talking with you today, Fran, and and hearing your take on uh, things over the last six months and, um, we're so glad to connect with you today. Thanks for joining our program. Well, thanks for asking me. I uh, I didn't realize how uh, really lucky I am <laughs> to feel so uh, positive about all of this. We both got some time to reflect together today. It's been great. Yeah, well, most of us here at, uh, at Marjorie P. Lee are very aware of how lucky we are. Good. Um, we're being taken care of. That people are keeping us safe. We are in a very lucky position, but we are very extraordinarily fortunate. Those team members are some of my biggest heroes. So I'm, I'm so glad they're taking good care of you. And uh, I, I can't wait until it's safe for me to come by and just say hi in person. It's been good to talk to. You. <laughs> good. That'll, that'll be fun. Kristen, that was a wonderful interview with Fran Turner. Um, I, I really enjoyed her discussion and her focus on wellness, particularly during COVID-19. Sounds like she's really taking advantage of our pool and uh, using the wellness center and even our virtual uh, wellness opportunities that they've uh, been holding uh, ever since March. Absolutely. Yeah. Fran is a uh a great example of how to take uh, whatever's happening and uh, turn it to your advantage. And uh, I count her as a new friend. She and I have made a date to uh, get together once all this is uh, past us or once it's safe to get together. Oh yeah. That makes it well worth it when we can build these relationships with our residents. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Well, next up, Brian, I guess we're going to transition now to checking in with our president and CEO, Lara Lamb. We're going to get an update on everything that's been uh, happening this week. So here's Brian and Lara. So we're back uh, again this week with our president and CEO, Lara Lamb. Hi, how are you, Lara? Doing well, Brian. How about you? Doing well, thanks. It's always great to have you back. And uh, as always, there's never a shortage of updates, I think, for our, our listeners. Um, you know, this week, I know there's been a lot of um, news and chatter about visitation at nursing homes. Um, the governor had some statements this week. I know the CDC has talked about some updated guidance and even some chatter in the 
in the news media. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of give an update on maybe where we are for our listeners, just as a reminder that, you know, the current guidance and what ERS is doing um, at, at this time. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if our listeners were confused because um, the headline is, it's confusing. Um, the, the problem is, as we've talked about before, is that there's real substantive differences between the states and the federal government. Uh-huh. So on the state level, the Ohio Department of Health is really what governs what we do day to day in nursing home and assisted living residential care, you know, senior living housing in Ohio from the Department of Health. Yeah. And then on the state level, you have, or the federal level, excuse me, you have um, CMS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid. Right. So it would be great if they were in alignment, but they're not. And right. So we've been struggling for weeks because they're not in alignment on the mandate for staff testing. Mm -hmm. CMS guidelines says we have it based on this criteria and Ohio says it's every other week and they're not compatible. And in Kentucky, it's the same thing. You know, Governor Brazier and the health cabinet have one set of standards, but the CMS is in conflict. So this week marked, you know, even more confusion Right. When CMS put out guidelines on family visits mm-hmm. and, you know, um, CMS t- is talking about, you know, it's now, now time to think about indoor visits mm-hmm. and that's great. We are in support of or- indoor visits a hundred percent as long as it's safe. Right. Well, the criteria that CMS put out, is very, very different. And I'll give you one example. Mm-hmm. CMS says that you cannot have an indoor visit, absolutely no questions asked, if you've had a positive case of a resident or staff in the last 14 days. Right. Well, let's just pull out Kentucky as an example. The current order for the health cabinet is that you can't have a outdoor visit if in the last 28 days. So here we have right. one document that says indoor visits in 14 days, but we oh, have another no. that talks about, you know, a different timeline and a different visit. So right, right. the pr- problem is, is that everyone's doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. but they're, wor- they're starting from different points. They're using yeah. different data. You know, CMS, I don't begrudge them. They're looking at a national level, right? Right. They're looking at, the national horizon, whereas DeWine and Bashir, they have to look at their health experts and look at the data in our particular. Well, the challenge is, is that, you know, the news media maybe might see a piece of this and not, and it's no fault of theirs. This isn't their business. It's confusing. It is confusing and it's not their, it's not their business. So they don't know all the nuances that, you know, the terms are different or we're talking about different things. So the bottom line is as a healthcare organization, as a licensed entity, we have to work under the most restrictive guidelines. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the rule of thumb. So when 
the state and the federal government are at odds and any regulation, and this is not just about COVID, but it's about length of bed and temperature for, you know, lounges and nursing homes. Whenever there's a conflict, you have to default to the more restrictive standard. Right. So that people are safe, right? Right. Uh, So you can imagine that the internal leadership team is extremely busy, you know, unpacking the CMS guidelines, looking at the governor guidelines and trying to figure out what we have to do. The other problem in all this, um, and it's not a problem, but another issue is that we know that the current states that we have retirement communities in Ohio and Kentucky mm-hmm. are on the verge of issuing new guidance. Right. So, you know, we, here we have federal government ha- having a broad brush look. Right. We have families that just want to see their loved ones. Right. And then we have the state kind of in the middle, which is kind of our first line of guidance. Right. And they're, they're a little bit, um, they're not ready to issue their guidance. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of confused people that frankly, staff and families that just really want to see their loved ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit. It was a extremely difficult week last week to kind of just hand, field the calls and help tap down some of the questions and the confusion because mm-hmm. um, you know we just we just really have to do what's allowed mm-hmm. uh, within our jurisdiction and then what's safe. Right. I was happy that the CMS guidelines did specifically say you know, that these are guidelines. And if there are clinical or safety reasons that the facility is aware of something that obviously the federal government can't be aware of on a macro level, that they really rely on the leadership of the community to make good decisions for their residents. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just to reiterate, you kind of brought it up earlier about the leadership team, but, you know, we have this, risk management team, uh, uh, people that are administrators and clinical experts that, you know, have been doing a, a tremendous job of, of unpacking all of this information. And it's just been amazing to kind of watch from the outside to mm. look at that decision-making. Yeah. They, they're, we, they're a phenomenal group. They really are. And this has become their, full-time job and they're taking it extremely seriously and, you know, really trying to balance um, the requests from staff and family and residents with the guidelines and they, they take it very seriously, but in a very thoughtful, intentional balanced, I think is the word balanced way. Right. And, And so, you know, speaking of that, you know, studying and ingenuity that that's really come out of all of this. I, I, I know that uh, uh, some some uh, kind of new structures were built to kind of facilitate some of these uh, uh, some of the visits. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I just really want to say thank you to our facility, our maintenance staff, John Parker and Wayne Couch specifically that. Uh-huh. They have done an amazing job. So we gave them, the risk management team gave them the challenge of saying, 
well, okay, in this time of shortage of plexiglass, we want you to find plexiglass and we want you to build a <laughs> structure that we could use outdoor visits because that's where we're at right now. Right. But maybe they could be modified and used indoor as it gets colder. And so imagine a three-sided structure where, you know, it's made of plexiglass and two by fours and lots and lots of washer rubber washers to make it (laughs) work Um, and it's just they've done such a great job so to date we have three structures made Um, fourth one probably will be finished on um, Monday but the the, the goal is to have you know at least one if not two at each of our campuses depending on you know where where we're going to put it and right uh, what type of visits we're allowed to have Right. And, and just to clarify, these are for outdoor visits at this time. At this stage, they're, um, they're pretty big. So they're um, four, or I'm sorry, eight feet wide. Oh, wow. Um, eight feet tall and four feet deep, if you will. The wings or the sidewalls are yeah. shorter. But, but it's a nice experience. I, I, I've had the chance to sit in one and mm-hmm. you're, you're outside and just between a really clean piece of plexiglass, you get to see your loved one. So it's, yeah. it's a, you know, it's not, it's, you know, I just want people to know it's not, it's not the same. It's right. not the same, yeah. but it is our best attempt of saying, okay, we've got some lemons. We need to make lemonade. How can we make this work? So right. one of the things immediately uh, staff and family said is, well, it's difficult to hear Terp uh, via or between plexiglass. Well, yeah. yes, it is. It is. So we've equipped the the residents um, with one of our uh, phones, so mm-hmm. that you know you can sit in a nice patio chair. Your loved ones on the other side of the plexiglass. They have their cell phone, and you can right. talk in real time and and spend some um, great. Somebody said, "Well, why can't we cut holes in the plexiglass so that?" we can hear and i said well that same ability to hear is the air that we're trying to restrict so right. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it's not it's not easy brian but yeah. the team is i love how you framed it that they're trying to be innovative they're trying to take what has been given to them and figure out a yes and and yeah. i just am so proud of them for working hard to come up with a yes and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's kind of what we've had to do since yeah. since March, and it, yeah. and again, we just have to keep thinking of new ways of of doing things to yeah. to help. So, it's the bottom line. Yeah. So, I, I think the other thing uh, I wanted to bring up this week, um, we made an announcement. Uh, you made an announcement earlier in the week. Um, you know, certainly. Uh, COVID-19 has presented some challenges for our organization as we stopped admissions and um, we've noticed some of our occupancy drop and particularly in some, some areas, households than others throughout the organization. And, you know, we're, as an organization, being proactive to manage this. ERS is a very healthy organization, very financially stable, but it, there's certainly things we have to do to manage through this, these challenges. And, um, we made an announcement regarding Parish Health Ministry this week, which was not an easy decision. Um, but I was wondering if you could maybe kind of provide the update for our listeners um, about uh, about ERS and, and Parish Health Ministry. 
Yeah, Brian, I mentioned that last week was a really tough week and that this is, this is probably um, the significant reason why. So just yeah. as you said, ERS is strong and stable financially. There, I don't want anyone to worry about ERS, ERS's future. We are very, very strong. Yeah. But I believe that we're strong because we're proactive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll always be strong if we make sure that we're looking ahead. And the truth of the matter is we don't know how long this COVID, this kind of shutdown for nursing homes and um, senior living is going to be. And it has taken a dramatic toll on our ability to bring new people into our communities. Um, Whether it be, you know, at the beginning, absolute, you can't have admissions to limitations to whatever. Bottom line, you know, in an organization where, you know, 99% of our revenue is, is resident fees and, and that sort of thing, it, it, it impacts quickly. So the servant leadership team has been working um, diligently on monitoring the trends and, and forecasting. And, you know, they, they take this very seriously. And the absolute last thing that we typically do in kind of reforecasting or thinking about things differently is thinking about impacting on residents or staff. But right. unfortunately, there there is a staff and a community impact to one of our decisions. So this is just one of many, many, many things that we've had to change um, right. or reduce or you know, um, pause. But the one that I wanted to share with our callers is related to parish health ministry, a beautiful, uh, wonderful ministry that we serve our parishes um, in our diocese as well as other denominations. And um, we have decided, first, we decided that our Refresher Soul Conference uh, could not uh, work in its current imagined form, i.e. an in-person conference. So right. you and Parish Health Ministry staff kind of went off and said, okay, could we have this conference vir- virtually? And candidly, it was just um, an extraordinary lift in a time when I, you know, we need you and your team and others to be right. focusing on helping us um, open up our retirement communities. Right. So we decided that we would put a pause on Refresh Your Soul for 2021. Mm-hmm. And then an out, out um, birth of that mm-hmm. is, you know, really we need to look at the parish health program. So we shared with the staff this week and after lots of prayers and consulting our our board members that are, you know, clergy and just really praying about it, we decided that we needed to press the pause on the entire program. Yeah. And um, we're going to be doing that now through uh, May next year. I don't have a crystal ball, but I can tell you and tell all of our listeners that this isn't a stop. This is a right. pause. Right. And we're hoping that the world does, our world gets back. Yeah. Uh, back more quickly and that we can hit the start button sooner rather than later. That's our goal. Yeah, 
Yeah. And like you said, it, it's such an important part of ERS and oh, the, the relationships that we have built with all the parishes, uh, you know, throughout the years and that the, the team, the parish health management street team and the, the fabulous work they do year in, year out, um, yes. you know, will be temporarily missed. Um, yeah. and we'll look forward to bringing them back soon. Absolutely. And I think, I think the parish health ministry staff have done a great job of facilitating parish mm-hmm. health in the congregation. So, right. you know, this is an opportunity. I said to one parish lead, this is an opportunity for us to make the parish health ministry staff at our congregations, you know, right. make them proud of us that, that they've given us the tools and resources yeah. to continue the ministry at the parish level mm-hmm. while we take a pause at the ERS level, but we'll be reunited again next year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing worth mentioning, I think you mentioned in, in some of the communications was we'll continue the dialogue and the communication with, with the parishes over time. Absolutely. Well, Laura, thank you so much uh, again for joining us this week. It's uh, always a pleasure to catch up and uh, we'll look forward to, to getting together again next week. Thank you. Have a great week. Brian, as always, Laura has um, a lot of great updates and details for us about what's been going on. Um, I'm particularly interested in those uh, plexiglass enclosures. I think that's an exciting way for families to stay connected to their loved ones. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, you know, so much going on throughout our communities and just making those connections as much as we can with family members and residents um, during this challenging time is a, is a big priority for us. And especially as there's kind of moving targets on how we can hold those visits and when we can hold those visits. Um, Laura's really on top of those, those guidelines and uh, regulations and is really, uh, you know, really wants to make sure that that those can happen. So glad, glad to see that coming to life. Never a worry that she doesn't uh, have her finger on the pulse of that. That's for sure. Right, right, right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, our resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer, and so much more. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer, and our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, uh, Fran Turner, and of course, our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, for always giving us an update. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to our podcast next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thank you, Brian. See you next time.